We are three best friends living on three corners of the country. Wifing, momming, boss babing, and honestly, just trying to keep our shit together. Anyway, I'm Allie. I'm Alicia. I'm Elisa, and this is A3 Life. Our fun, funny, and informative lifestyle podcast, where we will be speaking on how to be fearless, authentic, and relentless in all areas of life. Enjoy the show. All right, let's go ahead and hop into this week's episode of A3 Life. We're so excited. We had to have Ashton back again. So for some reason, you missed last week's episode. Make sure you catch it probably before this one. Trust us, it'll make more sense. But there were so many things we didn't get to dive into with Ashton. So we asked her for a second round. So here we are again. We're going to talk a little bit more about home birth. We're going to talk a little bit about vaccines, anti-vaccines. We're going to talk a little bit actually circumcision even came up. So I'm kind of interested to see about that because we all do have at least one boy or two um, on the show. So again, this is something, you know, we want to be real and raw with. And that's why we loved having Ashton is, you know, different views, different points of view. And she had so much to share because she had educated herself on these subjects. So Ashton, welcome back to A3 Life. And hey, can we point out the fact that our name does start with an A? I mean, hello, this is this is working out well. So thank you, Ashton, for spending some more time with us, sacrificing your time. She put the baby to sleep. She already told me, she's like, I didn't sleep a lot last night. She warned us she was grouchy. We're like, oh boy, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> we're all tired. We're all like, oh, I'm great. No. <laughs> no, even Ashton, who's like, I've only been here twice and I hate you for it. <laughs> I went and got a party. I went and got Dunkin' Donuts this morning. The baby didn't sleep last night, which was the first time she hasn't really slept. And she's almost six weeks old. So it's a blessing that I've only had like one rough night, but I'm like, oh man, feeling it today. <laughs> all right. Shall we dive into first? <laughs> What sticky finger conversation do we want to start with? Um, whatever. Okay, well, want. I think that we kind of left it last time with where we were talking about who was in the room right at the end of the episode. So let's go into some of that first, and then we can dive into some of the other topics. Um, but we discussed that you had your children in there, mm-hmm. and you had your mother-in-law and your best friend, and some sort of encapsulator thing, which we'll get to that. <laughs> I don't even understand what that means. And then all the people that were there to help you give birth, right? Right. Okay. So we discussed, um, you let your children in there and how like awesome that is and the special bonds that it has created and that sort of thing. So, but back us up a little bit and, and tell us a little bit about leading up to the, to uh, like wanting them to be there. What kind of conversations did you guys have? What did you warn? You know, like 13 is like a really tricky age to begin with. So I guess like kind of what kind of things did you guys talk about? Well, so I talked about before, like before we even got my tubes untied and got pregnant that I had like this vision of my perfect birth and it was a home birth. And in that vision included having my children there. Um, So it was kind of always just like, I don't, I don't really know. Um, once we got my tubes untied, like before we even did that, we went to the kids and let them know they were involved in the process of, Hey, we're going to, you know, add another sibling. And so they kind of, um, and my oldest, like my kids, not my seven year old so much, but my almost 13 year old and my 10 year old, they know 
where babies come from. They know how babies are made. Um, it's not something like a taboo subject in my home. Talk to them about it when they have questions and it's always age appropriate, but it's just always something that I'm open and honest with them about. So when I got pregnant, even when we were still trying, actually, I was already watching home birth videos while I was doing dishes and I'd have my laptop open and I didn't wear headphones. I left it, you know, the speakers on my laptop and I would watch home birth videos. I would watch YouTube videos of midwives giving advice on how to have a successful home birth. Um, there's a Facebook group that's absolutely amazing called birth tube and women go on there and live stream their home births. Sometimes there's hospital births too, but hospitals normally don't like really allow for that kind of stuff to happen. So I kind of always just had my computer open and was research just like anything and everything that I research or I get into, like I openly discuss it with my kids just because I don't know, it's just how I parent. <laughs> so they would hear like crying or whatever. And they'd look at me and I'd be like, Oh, it's just a woman giving a, having a baby. And they'd be like, Oh, and they'd come and look and be like, Oh, and they just kind of learn. And so I'd be watching videos and I'd tell them like, you know, then I got pregnant. I'm like, okay, well, I'm for sure pregnant. So I'm for sure having a home birth. How does that make you guys feel? And they were all just kind of like, whatever, cool. And it just kind of evolved into just, I always let them know they're welcome to be in the room. And they asked questions. And so by the time it came to me actually being in labor, it was just, they weren't freaked out about it. Like I had just, they had already been exposed to it enough, I guess. I stopped a lot. Like there's videos and my best friend makes comments about it. My midwife makes comments about it that like in the middle of hardcore contractions, between contractions, if my kid was in the room, one of them, I was always like making eye contact and asking them, are you okay? Do you have any questions about this? I'm okay. I know you hear me saying crazy stuff, but like, I'm okay. Yes, I'm in pain, but I'm okay. So they just, and they, it was always just an open door thing. Like they could come and go as they wanted. My daughter actually woke up with an abscess tooth because that morning I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, my water breaks. And then at eight, she comes in with a swollen face and her dentist appointment was like two weeks later. So she ended up, my best friend took her to be seen and get medication while I was in labor because the baby was born after midnight. And by the time it was then, she was already passed out of sleep and wasn't waking up. So she wasn't there. There's videos of her because she was in there when I was laboring and there's pictures of her passed out on my bed, but she wasn't awake for the actual birth. And they took her to her room when I was pushing just because I was all over the bed and she was passed out on it. So, and then my seven-year-old, bless his heart, been grounded from Xbox. But when I got into labor, I was like, fuck it. You can have the Xbox. Just go. <laughs> like, I don't care. Oh, don't so, talk to Xbox me. Xbox for everybody. Xbox for everybody. Yeah. Like that's pretty much what it is. It was like, there's no screen time limits today, guys. Just, just it's unlimited screen time today. Today yeah. only. Yeah. You guys can be on the Xbox all day. So he was like super happy. So he was going in and out. The next, it's actually kind of funny. After, he came in like right, right when I was getting ready to push, he came in and I don't remember him being there, but this is what I was told. And that it was just his eyes got real big and he was like, Meh, and he left. My oldest stayed and then the seven-year-old left and he went and played Xbox. And the next day he comes in there and he goes, mom, you know what I had to do last night when you were having the baby? I said, what? And he said, well, you were being so loud. And I had to keep saying, he's on Xbox, y'all, with the microphone. Couldn't mute his mic or nothing. And he's like, I kept having to say, sorry, guys, that's just my mom having a baby. So I don't know what type of people listen to me give birth through Xbox Live. But apparently, my birth 
noises were broadcasted through Xbox. So. Oh, that's the that, best. That is awesome. That's a cool story to tell your friends. Like, told my my mom. She's having a baby right now. God, <laughs> yeah, <loud>. like, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm also interested to know, because I know your mo- your mother-in-law was kind of like very reluctant about it. She's very traditional. So what was what was her, in- her outcome for this? So kind of just share us a little bit about her, you know, decision. So when, what did she think or say? So when she got there, she had to work that day. My water broke at like a little after four, right before five o'clock in the morning. I went back to sleep. I had like, it fully broke a couple hours later and we woke up like 6.30 and started getting the day. But I didn't start active labor until 5.30 that night. So she had to work that day. So she got off work and she has like an hour drive from where she worked to here. She stopped at Olive Garden because my whole pregnancy, all I wanted was sangria, which I made at eight o'clock in the morning while in labor. It's the first thing I did when I was like, okay, labor's official. I went and made a big picture of sangria. And then, so it was in the fridge waiting for me and she stopped at Olive Garden and picked me up food on her way. And she brought me the most beautiful thing of flowers. I don't really remember a whole lot of her reactions or her behavior or how she was because when she got here, I was in active labor. So she, I was kind of already zoned out and in like the hard part. So she brought me this, I remember she brought me a really, really gorgeous bouquet of flowers with a balloon that said it's a girl or baby girl. And she brought the baby a gift, but I don't really remember a lot of how she was. The people that were there said that she just kind of like sat on the, not at the end of the bed, because at the top of the bed, which was the opposite end from where I was, and that she was just real quiet. And my husband said that he kept having to like chase her off because she was trying to do my dishes or (laughs) clean my house. And so I think that was her nervous energy. And my husband said he had to keep telling her to go like chill out and relax and enjoy her granddaughter being born. But she was just like nervous energy. She afterwards, what I talked to her and she said is she's just kind of like blown away by it. And she made a joke about how big the baby was in my vagina and the state of my vagina after having a big baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I don't... Uh, you, kind of have to ask her she's really quiet like she doesn't really say her opinions on things she is definitely the one that like which I appreciate like it's great having a mother yeah that's a good mother-in-law yeah, yeah I mean, no. thank god she wasn't like evil about it no <laughs> no like my mother-in-law is one of my best friends she's absolutely amazing like I am blessed I told my husband you know you fight with your husband sometimes and I've told him you know he's lucky I love his mom because I don't want to lose her so that's why we haven't divorced <laughs> but, um, no it's totally a joke but she really does like she stays in her lane and she like supports everything even if it's not something that she understands or agrees with she just doesn't speak on it she took a really beautiful picture from her phone and she sent it to me um the next day with a really beautiful text message telling me thank you for allowing her to be here and be a part of it it was her first grandchild that's this baby was grandchild number 11 or 12 or 10 I don't know something like that. And it's the first one she's ever seen be born. So she sent me a big long text and was just kind of like, thank you so much for allowing me to be present in that. Um, I saw how much my son loves you and how much you love my son and how amazing your family is. And I totally, while I don't understand it, I get it. And just kind of said, thanks for letting her be here. But she doesn't like other, the only thing she ever vocalized was that after the baby's head came out that she said that in her head, she was like, hurry up and push her out. She's going to strangle just because her head was out and the rest of her body wasn't. And, um, she thought the baby, if I gave birth in the water, the baby would drown. So I explained to her how that wasn't possible. But other than that, those are the only things she's ever really said. She, can you explain that to me? Yeah. <laughs> about the water? 
Yeah. Okay. So your baby is in amniotic fluid inside of you. Their lungs are already full of fluid. When they come out, what triggers them to take a breath is the temperature change. So we had to make sure that the water was between um, a certain degree. I'm super tired today. I think it's like 99 to 101. We have like this little floating ducky thing. My midwife checked it periodically. We boiled water to add to it. And um, as long as the temperature of the water was body temperature, it wouldn't trigger their breathing reflex. And they're still getting everything from the, uh, the, the cord at that point. So until the cord is either cut or stops pulsating, delivers on its own, they're still getting nutrients and oxygen and all that from that. So, but we kind of like, don't think about the fact that our babies are floating in fluid, that their lungs are filled with fluid when they're born. And going through the birth canal squeezes a lot of that out, but then they get suctioned out. Um, Salem, since she wasn't at a hospital and she didn't have the things shoved all the way down her, like into her lungs to suck all that out. For a couple of days, she was coughing up and gurgling up fluid. So yeah, they're just, as long as the water is the same temperature as your body, it doesn't trigger their reflex to breathe. Once they're up out of the water is when they get triggered to breathe. And why did you ultimately, you just got uncomfortable in the water or why did you decide to change? I know that was kind of your goal. Yeah. So my whole plan was to birth in the water, but, um, I got in the beginning, it was really, really helpful and it eased my pain and it took the pressure off my pelvis and it felt really good. But then towards the end, I had gotten out and gone to the bathroom and I got back in and I was just, something came over me and I was exhausted. And so there's a picture of me like just floating in the pool and I was falling asleep and it just, I, and it was really intense. And I just felt like it was no longer a safe place for me to be with me nodding out. Like I was literally falling asleep. So I just was like, well, I'm going to get out and get checked. And then I was just like, I'm taking a nap. And I was at nine and a half, almost 10 centimeters. Baby was engaged. Like I was ready by a hospital standard was ready to push. And my body literally was like, nope, you're taking a nap. And so I went to sleep. Quick nap. <laughs> time out. Yeah. Nap time. Yeah. Nap. Nap. <laughs> yeah you're like, I've done this long enough. Uh, I'm going to need to take a nap now. Right. Which is something actually that might be like a cool educational thing to put out there for moms who might need to hear it. But just because you're at 10 centimeters doesn't mean you're ready to push. It doesn't mean that it's time for the baby to come. Um, like I said, my contractions were one and a half to two minutes apart, which tracking that only gave me like a 30 second break between contractions before I had another one. I got out, I got checked. I was 10 cent, like nine and a lip. So pretty much 10. Um, and I laid down and took a nap and my contractions spaced out to eight to 15 minutes apart. And I just slept. Now, had I been in a hospital, they would have said that's failure of progress. Baby's not descending into the birth canal. Let's rush you off to a C-section. But because it's so industrialized and 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 in the hospital they put you on these timers and they think that every baby and every body and every woman's gonna labor and birth the same and that's just not. I took a nap and had I been in a hospital, they'd have said, Oh, the baby's stuck and not descending and your labor is not progressing and I'd have been rushed to a C section or I would have had to fight for my right to not be. But at home my midwife was just okay. And she sat in the bathroom and she um one of the most amazing things is she hand, she kept like a chart and it's all handwritten in her writing at what time this was going on, at what time that was going on, where my contractions were. Ashton got out and went to the bathroom. I said, like, if I said something cute, she'd mark down the time I said it. And like, so I have this play by play 
handwritten thing from my midwife. And on there, she put on there that I took a nap. And that was when she checked me and I was nine and a lip. So that's a little educational thing. Just because you're at 10 centimeters does not mean it's time to push. And a lot of times your body does need to take a break and prepare for that next step. And pushing, coach pushing, being like, okay, it's time to push now. One, two, three, and counting to 10 and all that. And your body's not ready. It can cause your cervix to swell up and then truly cause your baby not to be able to descend into the birth canal. So just listen to your body. And if you're going to nap, take a nap. Well, I feel like even at a hospital, as much as I'm paying to be there, if I tell that nurse, I want to take a nap, like you better get up out of this room and let me take a nap. But I get what you're saying because everything is so, so I, mean, I was the opposite. They're like, okay, your baby has delivered itself at this point. Like I, it, like time to deliver. Oh, he's here. Like you're, I didn't know obviously, but it's funny how that works differently. Something else I want to talk about. And I'm, I'm curious because I'm going to know about this myself is one of Salem's first visits was actually with a chiropractor. So let's talk a little bit about that. I don't know if you girls caught that when she shared that photo, she was like a day old and you took her to the chiropractor. So tell us a little bit about that and Educate us on that because that's obviously something I knew nothing about either. Okay, so birth is, it causes a lot of trauma to your hips and your everything has to open up and get ready for baby to come out. Well, baby has to crunch down and their shoulders turn in and under and their head has to kink and their soft spot goes over and it's traumatic. Even, even at a birth where there's not a doctor pulling on the neck and twisting and shoving and yanking, it's still a lot on their little tiny bodies. So yeah, we took her, she was born at 1249 AM on a Wednesday. We took, she was at the chiropractor. I called my chiropractor Thursday morning and was like, Hey, I had the baby yesterday and I'd like her to come in and be seen, um, and just get checked out. And they said, okay. And our chiropractor got me in that afternoon. We were there and he adjusted her the Atlas, which is the plate where I mean, I'm not a chiropractor, so I could be saying this wrong. If somebody hears this and is like, that's not what it is, my bad. I'm not a chiropractor, but from my understanding, what it is, is it's like their bottom, and people can't see on the video, but it's like this plate that where it connects to their spinal cord and hers was just offset some. And she was having some low latches. We breastfeed and she was having some low latches, some low range of motion. She was kind of fussy and so I took her and just had her looked over because subluxation, I always say it wrong, subluxation, subluxation, it's like that word that I have issues saying, but look into that about subluxation in newborns. And it's actually a really common thing. I wish it was more talked about, but chiropractic care for your whole family is amazing. I go, my kids go. I wish that I would have understood it when my other kids were little because I would have taken them, but they go now. And yeah. Some of the best advice I ever got when one of my kids, and I don't remember which kid it is now, but I want to say it was my oldest. So Brogan, when he was constipated at like six months-ish old, somebody's like, take him to the chiropractor. And I literally looked at them like, what you just say to me? I, did you hear me say he's six months old? And they were like, take him to the chiropractor. And so we started going because he was chronically constipated. And I swear to God, that kid pooped before we were off of the table. Yep. Like yep. I'm the same way. I swear by it. And yeah, like, because they talk about how traumatic, you know, the birth is for any kid and how they're all curled up in there. And, you know, Mike, we, 
my chiropractor retired and he referred me to a new one. And so when the girls are born, I went and took them to have adjustments too. And one of the girls, I think it was Sissy was really fussy and just not sleeping well. And they're like, listen, she was curled in a ball in the teeny tiny little part of your body for nine months. She probably has a headache, you know? And so they adjusted her and, and yeah, like a whole new kit. Yeah. I was a couple, let's see, she went for her second chiropractor appointment a couple days ago last week. And we still suffer with some like shallow latches because she has my husband's jaw and he has like a reset jaw and an overbite. And it's one of the things she inherited from her dad. And so it's just a part of our breastfeeding struggles, but a chiropractor's really helped. She's been having some, I had to cut out dairy, but she's been having some like fit up and some range of motion with her head trying to latch. She was just latching out of the corner of her mouth. We went and she was adjusted. Now people think when they adjusted, like you think a chiropractor adjustment is like cracking your back and all that, which is not what it is for infants at all. Um, just to plug this out there, if anybody's interested in chiropractic care for your children, there's a website called ICAP. Make sure your chiropractor is listed on there. They're the only one certified to work on children. My, I mean, there's people who take their kids to ones that aren't ICAP certified, but for me, that's a hard no. So mine go to an ICAP certified chiropractor. But um, anyway, so she was latching out of the side of her mouth and we were just having some issues. So I took her back and he adjusted her in a couple places. I latched her right after the feeding and it's the best latch that she's had since she was born. Like it was amazing. It's like instantly. And then yes, the blowout diapers are just part of. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, and when your kid suffers with that, you don't mm-hmm. like that. So you hear blowout diaper. Most people are like, Oh no, thank you. It's like, no, you don't no, understand. Obviously you've never dealt with a constipated kid. If you think, Oh no, thank you. You know what I mean? And then no. another funny thing about the kids and chiropractic. So I've been taking my kids, like I said, since my oldest was like six months old, and I don't take them all the time, just when, you know, like if they're having an ache or a he- or headaches or whatever, you know, we just sort of do it that way as needed. So I, I can't remember now, it was my sister-in-law's, is a cousin of hers, was ha- her daughter was having some sort of an issue. And I don't remember now what it was, some hip pain, some back pain, something. She was maybe two or three years old. And I was like, have you considered just taking her to just see, just see a chiropractor, you know? Cause I've been seeing chiropractors since I was six cause I have scoliosis. And so, you know, that's not an uncommon suggestion for me anyway, just not just because my kids go, but she, you know, she's like, Oh, you know, really that's interesting. Like tell, tell me more about that. We were discussing it. And so then my sister-in-law's sister is a nurse and she kind of like, she's sitting there listening, you know, and I can see this like look of disapproval on her face and, and she finally butts in and she's, and she's, oh, I know what the, the cousin said to me. Now, if they start going, does that mean that they're going to have to always go? And I was like, no, you know, like you, you, you're not like locked in. It's not like some cult that you're like locked right. into some sort of a, <laughs> you, you have to go forever and ever, you know, or whatever. And I was like, no, I mean, like if they, if she gets to feeling better then just, you know, she doesn't need to go anymore. It's like a therapy kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and like a physical therapy. And so. Then the nurse butts in and she's like, no, that's not true. If you let them do an adjustment on you, you're going to need it forever and ever. And she just like talked her down and like all the way down and like talked the girl completely out of taking your kid to the chiropractor, which I'm certain would have helped period. Mm-hmm. Um, and scared her to death. And it's like, it just, because she's a nurse and she had more, oh. you know, Oh yeah. Authority. <laughs> I, I'm a, I, I know the type I'm a nurse. So I know, or I'm a doctor. So I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, another thing for great for kids for chiropractor care is ear infections. So garlic oil eardrops, you can get them on Amazon for like 12 bucks and a couple trips to the chiropractor will hear it will fix an ear infection without having to do antibiotics and antibiotics should be at least in my case and the way I do things very last resort. Um, my seven year old has been on an antibiotic one time in his life, but antibiotic cause they ruin your gut flora. So chiropractors are always our first go-to before we go to a pediatrician, before we go to express care for, unless it's like broken arm or something, obviously, but for like aches and pains or upset stomachs or ear infections, chiropractor. Um, they are really the unsung heroes, I swear, of the medical community. And they do not crack babies. Like my son is 13 and just fi- and just got his first like crack and it was just neck. a little yeah, neck in a little bit. Um, yeah, it's mostly just pressure and massage. Yeah, I'm telling you, like a chiropractor literally saved, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like my being able to walk when I was six because if we didn't know we had scoliosis and it had gotten to the point where my shoulder was drawn up to my ear and like I was getting in trouble at school because the, the teacher thought that I was just being like dramatic and no like my literal spine was in an S and so they're like no this is not not she's not making this up so yeah I have a chiropractor appointment today you know so <laughs> Shout out to my chiropractor. No chiropractors are actually paying us for this episode, but if you are a chiropractor, you're welcome. We love you. Yeah, we love you, and we're taking off. I've never taken my kids to the chiropractor. I I honestly have never been taught to. They're going to be sore after that first visit, but then, like, down the road, they're going to thank you for it. I mean, yeah, if there was an issue and it was like, oh, you should go to the chiropractor, I've, like, literally, I've never heard of people taking their babies either. Yeah, no. Best thing I've ever heard of it. Another thing that I know that we discussed after you got off the episode the other day, Ashton, that I wanted to bring up is, so, you know, this was at home and you wanted to do the unmedicated, but I know that you had some complications after the birth that you mentioned that was, let's just, I just didn't even know that was possible. It horrifies me. I don't even want to, like, it hurts me deep into my soul to think about what happened to you, but did you use any kind of medication or any kind of pain relief at all through any of it? My midwife gave me some ibuprofen right after <laughs> birth. You're like, here's this ibuprofen. <laughs> uh, so I used a tincture called After Ease. Um, you guys that have had, I don't know, I wasn't too bad after my second one, but those like those afterbirth pains, those contractions of your uterus contracting back down after your nursing. <gasps> oh my God. They're worse than labor sometimes. Um, those would, yeah, it makes you just like, you like went like that and you're like, Oh, I don't want to breastfeed because of that. So it's, it's a good thing because it's your uterus, like going back down to size and it's your body instead of doing those nasty, like those massages where they come and push on top of your belly and massage it down. I didn't have to have any of that because breastfeeding mother nature has put in a great thing with breastfeeding and then it like causes their contractions. But, um, so for those, I use a tincture called after ease swear by it. I am pissed off highly pissed off that I didn't know about it with my other births. Um, even if my midwife says it's great for period cramps. So even if you're not pregnant, but you have really bad period cramps, get on Amazon and get some after ease tincture. It tastes like licorice and ass mixed together. Even before the ass, you lost me at licorice. Yum. <laughs> yeah. Mom. Listen, I remember when I had my second son, like I had him in a military hospital. I was young. And, you know, we, we did have the midwives and stuff in there, but nobody prepared me 
for what happens to your uterus, mm-hmm. each child, like with your first one, you don't feel that. Mm-hmm. So it was my second one. And I remember, you know, I was young and I was by myself. Nobody could stay there with me. And I remember nursing him and completely freaking out. I remember calling in the nurse. I'm like, I think I'm having another baby. Yeah. Yeah. I for sure thought another baby was coming. I'm like, Oh shit. They forgot one in there. Like (laughs) there's still one. Cause I mean, I I was so young and the pain was like, Oh God, it's back. It's coming for round two. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, if something is actually wrong, (laughs) something (laughs) happening. It's doing it again. <laughs> so like a good um, baby shower gift. Like I always, my new fa- like every person I know that is pregnant will forever and always, whether it's on her baby registry or not, will get a bottle of bathroom tincture from me. <laughs> like that is, and I'll give you the forewarning. It tastes like licorice and ass, but it like instantly helps so much, so much. I, that was like, so I had that and some ibuprofen. Um, to answer about my aftercare thing. So, um, yeah, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Okay. So after Salem was born, I asked my midwife, like she was checking me out and I was like, so did I tear? And she said, I mean, everything right after you have a baby, everything's so swollen down there. And she said, well, it looks like you have just like a superficial, what we call a skid mark, just a little tiny thing right underneath your clit on top of your labia, like it's just like a little superficial, like paper cut type thing. But your perineum, which is the part below your vagina that goes towards your butt, um, which is where most women will tear or where they cut you at. um, She's like, that's intact. That's great. You're fine there. I said, okay. I was surprised that I, like at that point, I was like, oh, it's just like a, whatever. So, um, you were going into that question, like, how bad is it? Just tell me how bad is it? But, um, so she's like, yeah, it's just like a little skid mark. It's not that big of a deal, whatever you'll just, she's like, don't just keep sitting in bed with your legs closed as much as possible. Don't sit Indian style. Don't do stairs for a while and it'll heal on its own. Just keep your legs closed as much as possible. And I'm like, okay, cool. She's like, use your Perry bottle to wash yourself off. Don't wipe. Don't use toilet paper, all that good stuff. I'm like, okay. So, um, and I had with my first feedback. I started to rip and then they, without my consent, gave me an episiotomy that ended up in like a whole bunch of stitches or whatever. So, um, I knew like the pain of peeing after you have a baby and especially if you did tear, um, with my second VBAC, I didn't tear. So there was no issues after him. So going into my third VBAC and I had this little tear up there, which for people who don't know female anatomy, you pee from up there where my cut was (laughs) and, um, So she was born Wednesday and Thursday morning, I went to go pee. I had peed fine on Wednesday. It was like painful, but it was just average. Like I just had a baby type of painful urinating. And then Thursday I went to go to the bathroom and it was the most excruciating thing I'd ever felt in my life. Like my body literally, like I started to pee and my body stopped it and was like, nope, you're not peeing. So I got out the hand mirror, which was not a good idea. And decide to look down there, and I did not recognize anything that I saw. Like nothing, nothing looked like anything I'd ever had. I'm like, I don't even know whose vagina this is because it's not mine. Like I don't, I don't like, even know. What in the actual hell is that? Who is yeah. this? Like, 
I feel like, like there's not even a vulva here at all. It's all yeah. somebody else's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what this is. Like, I'm like, um, so I text my midwife and I'm like, are you sure? Because there's something I don't need. Like, I saw this thing hanging, but I, I'm going to try to not be too vulgar. Like, but I saw something hanging and I was like, um, I mean, I don't know what that is. So, uh, I, uh, text my midwife and I was like, so there's something going on down there and I don't know what it is. And she's like, everything's kind of swollen right now. And miss, like, you're not going to recognize much of anything. You're okay. I'll be there later. Um, I'll be there tomorrow. I said, okay. So Thursday I would try to pee and I literally couldn't, it was the most excruciating thing ever in my life. And it, um, long story short. So when the swelling went down, what had happened was that little skid mark when the swelling went down was an actual tear and my labia tore from the, where it connects to the clit. So with everything still swollen, like when the swelling went down some, then you could tell it wasn't just like a skid mark, but everything was still so swollen that it looked way worse than it is. Um, but at that point I had been too far post-op to, or post-birth to get stitches on it. So she was like, let's just let it heal naturally. And then we'll go from there. I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to pee and I can't like, I physically could not pee because where it was urinating on an open wound is one thing, but then the pressure from, and you can't control any of that. Like right after you have a baby, your pee just comes out at whatever rate it comes out. Like you can't control it. So it would like shoot out and the pressure would be right on the wound. So my body, like, it was the most insane thing. Like, I literally could not pee. Um, Jeff, bless his heart, I got in the shower because my midwife was like, well, take the Perry bottle with warm water and spray it on there while you pee. So it'll take away some of the, like, urine, pneumonia, or ammonia and all that. So I tried that and I couldn't, like, literally just spraying even warm water from my Perry bottle felt excruciating. So I tried to get in the shower. I tried soaking a washcloth and peeing into the washcloth. So there wasn't like the force. I tried everything and I just couldn't pee. So Friday morning, um, it had been 24 hours since I had actually peed more than a couple drops. And my midwife got here. And as soon as she heard that I hadn't peed, like Jeff was, as soon as she was through the door, he was like, she hasn't peed. She hasn't peed in a day and we've got to do something. And I was to the point that like, I couldn't drink water because I was so full. So my midwife was like, yeah, you need to go. She, I hadn't texted her like and told her how bad it was. I was being very vague in text messages, which now I regret. I wish I would have been very upfront and honest with her in text because she could have brought a catheter with her. So my bad for being vague. So she was like, well, I didn't know to bring any of this with me. So you're going to have to go to the hospital and go get a catheter put in whatever. And at that point I was fine. I'm like, as long as I put the catheter in, cool. I'll carry around a pee bag for a couple of days and let it heal. Like whatever. So that's what I did. Um, but thanks to COVID. So I went to my midwife texted in the head midwife at our local hospital and was like, Hey, I'm sending in a girl. This is what's going on. She just needs a catheter. We're going to let it heal on its own. And then we'll like address it after the swelling is completely gone and see what needs to be done. She doesn't want any stitches, just needs a catheter so it can heal. So I get there and Salem's like naughty. She's like 48 hours old and I get there and they wheel me into the hospital and I put on my mask and didn't argue with them. And y'all know me and the damn mask thing, but I didn't argue with them and I put on the mask and 
I had her in her car seat with like her car seat cover over and I had her in my lap and they told me that she wasn't allowed in the hospital with me. And I was like, well, she's breastfed. And they pretty much were like, sorry about your luck. Like you have to leave your baby. Your baby cannot come in with you. You're going to have to leave your baby. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving my baby. Like I, it, it just astonishes me. Like I'm here for a post birth issue and I have to leave my baby. But had I birthed my baby in this hospital, we would still be in this hospital today. Like I would be upstairs, like just send me up to the OB floor and let them um, fix me up. But they weren't having it. Told me I couldn't bring her in there. And so I'm an emotional wreck. And I'm like telling Jeff, I'm like, wheel me back out. Wheel me out right now. So he takes me out of the hospital. And I sit in front of the, or outside of the hospital bay. So Jeff like wheeled me out of the hospital because I was flipping out. And I'm like, I'm not leaving my baby. Like, I don't understand why it's so socially acceptable to tell a mom who just had a baby less than 48 hours ago and that is breastfed. And is already going through like all these postpartum things to just leave her baby. Like that's not acceptable to me. And had I like had her in this hospital, she'd, I don't know. It was so stupid. So we go outside and I called up there and they pretty much told me, nope, you have to leave your baby. And I'm like, well, she's breastfed. And they're like, well, your husband can give her a bottle. No, he can't. Like, I, I don't know. So I ended up calling over to the smaller hospital that we have in town and getting special permission from their director of health or whatever. And they let me be seen at their hospital. So I went in and they gave me a catheter and I came home and, um, that was on Friday. I got a catheter and I wore the catheter until Monday and Dr. Jeff took the catheter out on Monday. <laughs> My husband took it out. So, um, but now it's been almost six weeks postpartum and you can't even tell, like it really was tiny, but the swelling just made it look so bad. Like, and it sounds like horrific, like your labia disconnects from your clit. Like, and I was a mess. I was like so emotional. I'm like, we're going to have to hire a plastic surgeon because my vagina will look the same, Jeffrey. I am not doing this. Like we are hiring a plastic surgeon. I'm having like, like Beverly Hills vagina. Here I come. <laughs> like, listen, I wasn't playing. I was like, no, I am not having a vagina that looks like this because everything was swollen a mess. And I was like, I'm not having this. Like I'm not. And he's like, Ash, it's okay. It'll be all right. And it's fine. Like you can't even tell now. Like it's, <laughs> it is terrifying though. Cause you know, like when I was 19, they gave me an episiotomy and then I ended up having to have a C-section. So I had like all that swelling oh, and the yeah. stitches and a C-section. And so like the next day, um, they were, uh, pressing on my stomach just to make sure there weren't any blood clots and all the things that they do and whatever. And, uh, I was like, I want to see. And they were just like, mm. my mom was like, maybe not, maybe let's just, let's just not look at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not to look. It's terrifying. All right. Really quickly. Cause actually our time seems to go by really fast cause we get such good content, but <laughs> I definitely wanted to, and, you know, this is probably the most controversial thing we will talk about here. And I don't think it's controversial. It shouldn't be controversial because everyone has the right to choose whatever they want to do, in my opinion. So let's go ahead and dive down the vaccine rabbit hole. And again, we, we all have different opinions on this, but I think we're super respectful of each other when it comes to this. So there's not a right or a wrong answer. And again, we want to share what Ashton has educated herself about, because I don't know about y'all. I've learned so much from these two episodes with Ashton. I'm just like, I, I applaud you for taking the time to educate yourself and share it with others. And I hope other people really get some stuff out of this too. So let's talk about that Ashton, because I know 
because we talked about it before, your other kids are vaccinated, right? Partially. Yes. Yes. Partially. Okay. Partially. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about, you know, your choice to do things a little bit different this time, maybe why you chose that, what you would have maybe done differently. So let's, let's just go ahead and dive down that rabbit hole, Ashton. Okay. So pretty much, um, my oldest was vaccinated on a delayed schedule because it, I never really researched much when I was pregnant with him. My mom got me the Jenny McCarthy books cause it was during the whole like Jenny McCarthy autism thing is when I had him. So I read those books and, but I still never like researched anything. It just never made sense to me that my newborn baby needed vaccinated against a sexually transmitted disease. Like that just never really made sense to me. I never researched about it then. It just never made sense to me. I don't have hepatitis. He's not having sex and he's not shooting up drugs. So why did he need it? Like it just never made sense. So I um, told them, well, we'll just wait. So I didn't do it in the hospital with him, but he did end up getting it. And then it just never made sense to me that we would do so many at one time. And my pediatrician was like, well, we can do a delayed schedule instead of you coming in so many X, so many months, we'll just have you come in so many weeks and we'll give him one here and then we'll split them up. And that was fine with me. I didn't research anything, but that just, I was like, okay, well my, what never made sense to me was so much at one time. This doctor's willing to give me like a spaced out schedule. Cool. We'll do that. Fine. Um, then I got pregnant with, um, and there were certain ones that I skipped altogether just because I was like, I'm not like chicken pox and stuff. Like I'm not, I had the chicken pox as a kid. I'm not scared of the chicken pox. Like it didn't seem like this big, scary thing to me. So, and we lived in Texas at the time and there was medical freedom there. So you didn't have to, you could do whatever you wanted. So I skipped like chicken pox with him, but the other ones, like I gave him, but he still, I gave him the whooping cough one. He still got the whooping cough twice. I gave him all these things, but my baby was, and at the time it didn't make, like it didn't register to me, but he was always sick. Like he had RSV, croup, double ear infections. He was always, always sick. So then I got pregnant with my daughter, my first daughter, and that was in, um, she was like 2009. So it was during the swine flu pandemic. It's pretty funny. Both my girls have been born during a pandemic, but I let them talk me into getting the Tdap, DTAP, whatever one, and the flu shot when I was pregnant with her because it was the swine flu and it was so dangerous and da, 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 da. And I just kind of like, okay, that's what I was supposed to do. That's what I needed. And in my head, I was like, well, it's not going into my baby because I had never researched how things cross barriers at that time. I, I just, in my head was like, well, it's going into me, not her, whatever. So I did it. Well, two weeks later, they found had an ultrasound and they found swelling on her brain and all types of stuff. And it didn't register me. Even then it didn't register to me anything. So she was born. She received the hep B in the hospital, like everything in the hospital. I had, I just, I didn't, I, I don't know. I, for whatever reason with her, I just was like, okay. So they gave her everything. Then when she was four, she got her four-year-old shots. and. I had noticed that she was having some issues, like she wasn't her, even as a baby, she didn't meet any of those. So she was always behind. So I just still didn't research anything. Well, then she had her four-year-old shots and she developed an autoimmune disease that isn't for kids. Like it's not common that kids have it. And so I started researching her autoimmune disease and it led me down the path of vaccines. And that's kind of how I got there. 
So then I had Bentley and it's kind of funny, not funny, but <laughs> I could have swore that I know I gave him the vitamin K because I look, circumcised him and they told me that, you know, whatever. So, um, but I could have swore that I delay, I didn't do the hep B and I didn't give him anything else, but I was scrolling through an old Facebook the other day <clears throat> and found a picture of him at his one month well visit and he had a sticker or a bandaid on his leg. And I had said like the caption was he did okay with his shot today. So apparently I don't remember that. And my best friend who was like a second mom to my kid, she, to my kids, she doesn't remember it either, but apparently Bentley did have that one. Um, but so I started down researching Brooklyn's autoimmune disease and one thing led to another and I ran across vaccines and come to find out the brain swelling that she had, all of her issues as a baby, her autoimmune disease, all of it is listed as known reactions to the vaccines that she received. So it just, yeah. So then when we decided that it was no longer, that Bentley was no, wasn't going to be vaccinated and that Salem wouldn't be vaccinated, we, the two main things for my husband, because, okay, like, these are the two things that kind of got him on board was one, he saw that I was researching a bunch. But so if you compare the schedule of how many I was given as a child, how many my husband was given as a child, we were given 11 to 13. I was born in 1987. And I was given a roughly 11 to 13 vaccines. The current schedule today for a newborn for the first 18 years of their life is 72 injections. Well, if I made it through just fine on 11 or 13, what are all these other ones for? And then... So that was like a big thing to my husband and also finding out that vaccine manufacturers were given complete immunity from liability in 1986. Our Supreme Court deemed that vaccines were undeniably unsafe and then in the same court date gave vaccine manufacturers complete immunity from being sued. They are not liable for their product. Um, there's nothing you can do. So those were the big two points. And, and I'm all for if a parent wants to vaccinate their child, cool, read the inserts, educate yourself, be informed about it. Don't do what I did and just follow the leader and end up with a kid who has issues now. Research it, make an informed decision for yourself. Know your rights in almost every state. You can get an exemption and you don't have to just, just informed consent, man. And I don't think that the government should have like my children are mine, your children are yours. They are not government property. And I don't feel like the government should be able to tell me anything to make decisions for my children for me. They're mine, not my government. So until they give, if a liability free product should not be mandated on my children, if, if somebody cannot be held accountable for its safety and it, then what is it for? Like, I just, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable giving my children anything that is liability free. I just, that's kind of where I'm at on it. I love that Ashton. And like I said, I, I, different views do, doesn't matter, but, but you have such solid, good, valuable points. And I think, you know, that that's, that's a, what I appreciate so much about you and so many other people. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm like you, I just did what they told me to do. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't go through the trouble. I didn't do the information. Like I had my shots as a child. So yep, mm -hmm. my kids get their shots, you know, and, and what are we creating by doing that? So I just, I have another friend, we all know her, so I won't, I won't say who it is. If she wanted to, that's her, that's on her, but she's anti-vax as well. and you know, I, I just, I respect that. I think a lot of, you know, I don't know a lot of people personally. I was grown, born and raised in a small town. And what do you do? You just do what your grandma did mm -hmm. and your grandma did. And 
you know, things like that. And, and I think your biggest point being, you're not saying I'm right. You're not saying I'm wrong. You're saying, do yourself, do the education. Every, the answer to everything can be found at the tips of our fingertips right now. And I say this about our business, about building a business, about anything you want, you can find the freaking answer. It's not even like you have to go to the damn library like we did like 20 years ago and research, like legit spend time. There's a Facebook page, there's a forum, there's a support group, there's a, you know, there's so many tools if we use them for every aspect of our life, there's a tool for it. Right. And, and we just aren't, and I speak for myself, a majority of people aren't doing the research to know Mm -hmm. the answer. So again, I, I respect that. I respect what you're doing. I think so many people do and do agree with you. And I, I love the most valid point to me is you're giving us this rule, but you don't want to be responsible if something mm-hmm. happens to my child. And I think that's, I think that speaks the most volumes to me is like, well, you're required to do this or we highly recommend it. But if you do it and something goes wrong, oops, Too sorry, bad. sorry. Yeah. I mean, there's, so many, there's, child. So many, there's so many points. Like I'm sitting here as you're talking, I'm like, oh, this is a point and this is a point and this is a point to make, but I don't want to like get on a tangent, but not only like somebody who's questioning it or like, holy shit, I didn't know that. So that's a great thing to research. Um, And then how not only research the vaccine and their reactions and their like things, section 13.1 of every vaccine insert is something that everybody should go read, especially if it's the HPV vaccine, section 13.1, go read it before you give it to your kid. But don't just research the vaccine and their reactions. Also go research the virus. How really scary is the virus? What was the death rates? And then also think about what was the living conditions of children back in those days. Because if we're comparing living conditions of children in the 1800s compared to 2020, well, we have filtered water now. We have flooring. Like we live in good homes and we're not eating contaminated water that's filled with fecal matter, which is how polio is transmitted. So research the viruses themselves and see how scary they really are. And then just make an educated decision from there. And I don't think that anybody, even if you do all the research and you still feel like it's a great thing for your child, okay, but you should still support a parent's right to choose. And the fact that the government should have no say so over our children, like my child is not government property. Our children are not government property. So. I just, when people are like, they should be mandated nationwide, it's a slippery slope because now we have this COVID vaccine on the pipeline along with 200 other more. And once you say, okay, yes, I'm so scared of the measles, which our grandparents all lived through, but I'm so scared of the measles, mandate all vaccines. Well, okay, but that opens up a slippery slope for everything else that's coming. So just some things to think about there. (laughs) I do love that. And I do love that you lead everything with make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I wish that I would have heard a lot of this stuff a long time ago, whether or not which way I would have chosen would have been informed versus, you know, just doing like following the leader, you know, just kind of doing what the, the generation before had done. You know, I mean, you just think that this is the way it is. And we listen to people, we listen to things, you know, that we're told a lot of times and we don't take the time to actually look into it ourselves and make a decision that we actually believe in. We just kind of, you know, go along with it. But I love that you're bringing kind of more awareness to that, just awareness to be informed. Yeah. I think it's something we all need. About everything. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we sit in research when we're pregnant, we sit and research what car seats the best and what car seats the safest and, and what formula or what bottle has the least air flow so our baby doesn't get colic. And, and we research all of these things, but we don't research. We're not told to research or look at any of the things that are being injected into our children at minutes of life. So, and I think that's just, I mean, I could, I could go on forever about the topic, but, (laughs) um, I just think that it should be one of those things that's openly talked about and the whole, like, we're not a doctor, Dr. Google, you, you didn't go a degree. Okay. It doesn't, I don't, I don't need more than a third grade education to be able to read. Like we can, it's all there. Pick up an insert, read it, um, go research. Like she said, we don't have to go to a library anymore. These kids nowadays wouldn't even know what to do if they had to, like, there was no Google, but go research and have an open mind. And even if you come to the end of it as a different decision than mine, at least then it's an informed decision and you made what you feel is best and you're not just following the leader. I think this has been super, super awesome. I know that I've learned so much and got to listen to so many different things. And honestly, I mean, even the chiropractor thing, I had never heard people taking babies to chiropractors. Like, I love that. I think, you know, like if more people had a voice and actually talked about, you know, real life things like this, it would make more people aware. So thank you even for me, because I've, I've never heard of a lot of these things, you know, um, one way or another, you know, like, I mean, a lot of times we just do things. We just kind of follow suit. I appreciate you. I think this is going to be absolute great content for people. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's exactly what we wanted. So we appreciate you. We appreciate your time sharing it. And like I said, we did two full episodes and still had more stuff to talk about. So we're going to have to have Ashton again. We're just going to do a mini series. Welcome to Ashton's Life with A3 Life. <laughs> oh my God, a mini series. That'd be a whole damn Netflix. Yeah, seven. think of it like Netflix, but not we're not quite that big yet, you know, Ashton, but you know, we'll get there. Okay. With your help, you can get there. No, definitely. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us on another episode with Ashton. Thank you, Ashton, for being here. We appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thanks for joining us this week on A3 Life. Make sure to join us on Facebook and Instagram at A, the number three life, Inc. And check out our online shop at a, the number three life dot biz.